Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodokar Schaller. Hi everybody, welcome to the Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And uh, today we're going to talk about Lionheart. But before we get to that, uh, it's been a veritable cornucopia of Amiga news this week, and uh, Aaron's going to bring it to us. Hit us up with some Amiga news, Aaron. All right, bud. I've got some good stuff this week, I think. Uh, for starters, let's talk about XBench. What do you know about XBench, Boat? Uh, you sent me a link, and it appears to be uh, a way to scan your hard drive for various Amiga-type file formats and launch them from inside the kind of a launcher, right? That's roundabout, yes. Uh, XBench is something I came across right after I got the... Uh, uh, compact flash uh, card for my 1200. Uh, it's it's done by a guy named Jim Naray. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he. I'm not sure what country he's out of. I don't think he's out of the U.S. I think he's maybe German or whatever, you know Norway. Um, what it is, it's a it's basically a front end for your Amiga uh, games and, and 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 apps presumably. And and uh, he I even saw he could. You could even put your uh, documentation in there for the games. I think there's a way to even do pictures. I'm just scratching the surface of it. But the uh, this is an excellent front end. Uh, it's got lots of good features. Uh, it's it, it supports 272 colors with AGA. Uh, it auto scans your your compact flash or your hard drive, and and uh, puts these puts all your games into a list that you can just use your joystick to scroll down. You can have multiple lists. Uh, he's made it so you can uh, change music on the backgrounds. You can change uh, the. You can has a top fifteen list. Uh, it's fast. It's very efficient. If you've launched stuff out of uh, the desktop in your Amiga, this is literally you could set your Amiga up with this, and you could put it in an arcade cabinet. I mean, if you want to, it's that simple. It's it's a very excellent uh, little utility. So if you, this is something that is. Strictly only for emulation, or this runs on a no. Real this Amiga is on a nat- oh, This runs on an Amiga. This okay. is this is an Amiga program. Okay, that's what makes it neat. I mean, you can set your Amiga anywhere and just have it. Like my, if my kid wants to play, I can set this up. He just comes in and picks a game he wants. And wham, bam, he's gone. Um, he just released a new version. Uh, uh, believe it was this month. I just found out about it and uh, stuck it on last night, and it it's came on installed like a champ. It works great. I'm just scratching the surface of what you can do with it, but it's an excellent launcher, and I wanted to get this guy a little bit of press uh, because he really—I don't know that many people are using it, and it's—it's uh, it's outstanding. I really think it's going to be a, something that people are going to want to look into if they've got an Amiga that actually has—they're using an actual Amiga to play their stuff. So we're going to link you up to um, the guy's website, and I've also got a, a there's a forum where he announces all his stuff. We'll link that in there too. Uh, but uh, check it out if you're looking for an, an interesting way to launch your Amiga stuff. Uh, this this will probably do the job for you. So does it just run over top of Workbench? Yeah, I okay. mean it. So you load the Amiga, you, you launch X Bench. You can put this here. in your startup; it would just come up. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah, it's it it loads right out. It's real small, and it's and it 
it has a small footprint, so you're not going to eat up those precious resources with a, a front end. It's going to take a lot of your jack. This thing's pretty small. It's got sort of a demo-y feel to it. The music and stuff's real cool. And uh, he's done a real flashy job on it. He's still working on it. Like I said, it's it hasn't been worked on for a while, but uh, um, he, he just released a new version, so he's still working on it. Uh, you can register this. Uh, I've already, I, actually, I wanted to mention that, uh, on the show, uh, you know, because I couldn't find exactly where you're supposed to register it at. I know he's got a donate button on his on his page, but uh, it's in French or something. And you know, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. So uh, uh, I'm waiting to hear back from him. And if I do, I'll I'll drop a note uh, on on the show next week. But it's a good little utility. I'd check it out. Cool. <clears throat> I did want to bring up uh, the fact that we have been. Uh, we have won our first uh, major award. A major Special award. prize. Fajine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it is the uh, it is the Potty Awards. That's not Potty. It's the Pot P O D I. We may win that one too, though. <laughs> I think we've show. already won that one. Um, <laughs> and uh, it is uh, it is a, an award that is uh, originates with this guy. On a, <laughs> on a, on is, a, <laughs> it is prestigious then. Um, you can check out the Atari Age forums. Um, I'll, I'll link to the thread on there that has all the nominees and everything. There's a lot of great podcasts on there. You yeah. know, Aaron, there are so many game by game podcasts. It's hard to believe that they all originated from our show. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm. No, I have to say, just uh, just looking through that the, that uh, thread, I found a bunch of podcasts I never heard of. And there's a, it's there's, exciting. Yeah, there's a 7800 game by game podcast. I was, I, I'm really I was excited surprised about. by that. I, was, I think I saw a 5200 yeah. in there as well. We, yeah. Me and Boat both have 7800s, stupidly, and uh, <laughs> so and there was there weren't that many. That'd be a very short podcast, right? Because there weren't that many games in there. Right. Right. We about 60 games. Yeah. Like that? I mean, a bigger library than the Odyssey 2, but a smaller library than most consoles. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, and there's also I, one that was particularly interesting to me is there's actually an Atari Lynx game by game podcast. And the Lynx has always been a console that's fascinated me. So. I've almost bought a Lynx so many times. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? This guy, apparently the best version of California games available on any console, the Lynx version. You know, California games sort of gets hammered, but I always dug that game. I love all the games. You I know, love all those epic Now, games. the hacky sack thing, oh, I can't I can't play that at all. Yeah. But <laughs> I always liked the surfing bit and skateboarding mm-hmm. was cool. I loved all the ge- epics. Another big Amiga uh, supporter from back in the day, uh, I always loved them. Yeah, I, and I, I loved California games. I loved Winter games, Summer games. They were all great. We should, we should, we have to. We should do some Epics games. Have we, we should. Done? Have we done any? Yet? We haven't done any yet. Holy smokes! Yeah. So we'll definitely, we'll definitely get on that. Okay, let's talk Vampire Two. This is all the rage <laughs> right now. I know it sounds sinister, but it is it's so sinisterly awesome. Um, the, the, apparently they, these have started shipping. Um, a fella has made a nice YouTube video of this. Uh, we'll link it up. Uh, for those of you that don't remember, we mentioned this, I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago. Uh, the, the Vampire 2 is a is a, a processor card, basically, for the 600, the Amiga 600. It sets nicely in the processor slot on it, and, it, and then it goes to work. Uh, the thing's got an HDMI out. It's got 64-bit core, 128 megabytes of fast MEM, uh, which is whew, that's 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 good times. <laughs> it's about 128 times the amount found <laughs> in the 600. The uh, SD uh, card storage uh, port on it, great. Have that on there. Uh, right now, it doesn't have an FPU, 
which makes this all the more amazing. But uh, in the future, they have planned, this is programmable, so they plan on adding some sort of 16-bit sound. They, add, they plan on adding AGA support and, and uh, some sort of FPU. I don't know what exactly, exactly it's going to work. I don't know how exactly to do it. Uh, but the uh, video shows some pretty awesome stuff. Uh, I think we discussed before the show, uh, they have a, a video of an Amiga 600 running an NES emulator, which yeah. that in itself is outstanding. It's amazing to watch you know, Super Mario Brothers uh, emulated on an Amiga because of the little things. You know, The way the sprites are drawn on the screen is a little bit different. The way that the music sounds, because it's coming through the Amiga's channels is just odd it's not like when you're emulating it you know on a pc and you get what approximates you know the real sounds uh so if you haven't seen that uh we'll put up a, uh, a post uh we'll link to a post that has uh some of those videos as well as the other information they they the neat thing about it is first of all you're it's emulating effectively a contemporary uh system which that in itself is mind-boggling i mean if you consider what emulation is the fact that this thing's not got enough jack to do that on the amiga it's imp- it's incredible. Yeah, um, I saw videos of a fellow playing Rise of the Triad. Again, impossible, but it, it happened. And keep in mind, this is not an AGA. This is just you running straight off. You know, this is just the power of the processing and the extra memory these things giving them mm-hmm. to uh, allow this to happen. A fellow running Doom, a real streamlined Doom, Doom on the Amiga, and uh, I believe the guy that made Doom was at Romero. He yeah. said. The Amiga could not run Doom. It's a very famous quote. Well, it is now. It got stock Amiga. We'll put that in. Um, guy running MP3. So, and the fellow in this video runs an MP3, and it just loads up as much copies of deluxe paint and notepad as he can, and it rolls right along without one skip beat. It goes. I mean, this really brings out the multitasking aspects. Uh, another thing he was running, I thought this was really interesting. They, there's a Mac emulator running War um, Warcraft, you know, and running it well. Now, Amiga's always been known for its Mac emulation, but this is well above what you would expect. Now, let me ask you a question. Okay. Um, for you, where do you personally draw the line as far as, you know, is this really an Amiga or is this, you know... A keyboard and a mouse hooked up to a completely different processor. This this is an Amiga. The, the, granted, this thing raises the processing speed and adds memory, uh, but accelerators could do that. This just happens to be a really, really fast, really inexpensive accelerator. Modern accelerator for a classic machine. You know, it's you got a valid question. <clears throat> um, I collect a lot of consoles, as you know, um, and you can mod stuff to the nines. You can buy consoles that play games that they're not this, like, I've got a little compact Sega Genesis clone, but I mean, it's not a Sega Genesis. What is it? Why, you know, I can play this stuff on the PC, you know, for that matter. But in the Amiga's case, uh, you know, I don't feel that, I don't get that feeling because it's still the Amiga. It's still the same uh, machine. It's still using the same custom chips for the most part. It's basically the exact same machine just with a faster processor. And these things are always intended to have processor upgrades available. Um, the Amiga is still relevant. I, it seems ludicrous to say that. And and I'll get in my next story, and you'll understand why it's it's exciting, and and it makes me happy that this sort of thing is coming down the pike. This, this is a modern board that we've been waiting for, I think. Uh, early reviews are 
are very positive. Uh, very minor incompatibilities have cropped up, but I hear it's not going to be a big deal. And uh, there's a lot of expandability in these. So I think this is going to be the bomb, if I may bring that term back. And, and I mean, you're talking about a buck sixty American. 160 bucks American, somewhere in that ballpark. I'm getting, I'm pre-ordering the 1200 as soon as they announce it. Uh, you got to. At that price, if you consider what you're getting for that money, if I had a 600, I'd have bought the hell out of this. And I've looked around for 600s just to see if I could grab one quick, but they're even slimmer now than they've ever been. So, but yeah, this thing's going to be a monster. Um, <clears throat> along those lines, the Amiga's relevant. Why? Wow. Uh, a new game just got announced today. It's a new old game. Uh, they have converted, a gentleman has converted the ST version of Karateka to the Amiga. This is very exciting for me because I always loved that game. I was always baffled why we never got a, a version of it on the Amiga. Um, it's a new port from a fella called Mainoff. Uh, I don't have any information on this fella. He's the Ponzi scheme guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's Mainoff. Um, the uh, I had never seen the Atari ST. Are you familiar with Karateka Boat? Oh yeah, I always pronounced it Karateka. Really? Yeah. I've never heard it pronounced that way. Well, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. I so listen to. I know. Uh, uh, of course, you know I listen to a lot of Shane Armand Rose podcast, Retro Gaming Radio. Yeah, he always called it Karateka, and there's two camps. You know, I never mm. called it that. I certainly never called it what you did. <laughs> uh, but uh, so there's three versions the way you call it. Whatever you call it, revolutionary. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> The uh, it was uh, designed by Jordan Mechner. Mm-hmm. His uh, famous uh, stroke was Prince of Persia, which is great on the Amiga, you know. Uh, but the, this this predated Prince of Persia. I believe this was originally released on the Apple II. I think that was Me- right. that was yeah. Mechner's machine mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, but I'll, it had ports. I mean, it got ported to everything. That's what baffled me about this. Um, this was ported. Listen to this list. And this some you got your Apple II obviously was the was the native. So Amstrad CPC, the Atari. Of course I've played on the Atari eight bit most of all. Uh, Atari seventy eight hundred, which I have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ST, obviously, the C sixty four DOS, the the Nintendo, the Famicom, the ZX Spectrum, the MSX, and the Game Boy all got this, but not Amiga. Very strange that we would get Prince of Persia, but not this. Nevertheless, it's been ported. Uh, again, I hadn't seen the ST version. I watched a video of this fella playing it. It looks like the best version I've ever seen. Mm. It looks great. There are little flourishes that I've not seen on the other ones. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they, they he's probably kind of riding on the coattails of, you know, it just got released for uh, modern systems not long ago. Really? Yeah, uh, it came out on iOS, uh, probably Android 2, with a very innovative, of course, you know, uh, Karateka has always been uh, I don't know if it's been praised for its controls but it, it definitely has a unique way of controlling your fighter it does it, and it has a lot in common with Prince of Persia the the, 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 the capturing of the motion mm-hmm. the uh, the joist the, the way the controller set up Mechner used for both games was some people hate mm-hmm. you get used to it and then you can understand it right you know and Karateka uh, and Karateka had those cutscenes, which was something really kind of new at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> very cool. And the Amiga version looks great. You can get it now. Uh, we'll link it. I got this in, uh, off the another site I've just stumbled, uh, stumbled across called the Indie Retro News. Mm. Have you been to that no, one? No, I haven't. This, these guys just have uh, 
news about uh, games that have been remade, ported, uh, new stuff coming out for the systems. Oh, cool. And I also got this next bit of news from them as well uh, to sum, to in my uh, news uh, coverage here. ProTracker, if you're an old school Amiga musician, ProTracker, you know this, uh, used to make uh, mod files back in the day. Uh, it was the go-to Amiga music software, uh, and it was very popular. Well, it's been updated <laughs> after all these years. Uh, it's got a new version, 2.3e beta, uh, straight from the article here. Uh, first of all, uh, ProTracker was created by Lars uh, Hamry, Anders Hamry, Zven Vazen, and Rune John Strud. Believe it or not, I remember seeing these guys, their names all, all the time on, the, on stuff uh, back in the day because it was so popular. Uh, this version has been uh, um, uh, updated by a dude goes by 8-Bit Bubsy. Uh, it's lots of bug squashes, uh, but there are a couple big deals in here. Um, he removed the DMA weight concept busy loop and replace it with a scan line wall. Now, wait, that doesn't mean anything to me, but this part does. That means that this won't have the strange audio bug when you have when you use a ProTracker on fast Amigas. I'd heard about a bug that when you had a, a accelerated Amigas and you work with ProTracker, this gets rid of it. Um, so this is going to be, you know, it makes me happy that people are still using this stuff to make music. Uh, mod files were a lot of fun back in the day. I even tooled around with this myself. I just I'm not creative in that way. Uh, but it's good news that someone's updating these old programs because they're still useful and people still love them. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I've always been more of a, a Mac person traditionally, and it, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, there's a uh, the 68K Macintosh Liberation Army that uh, that still is, is updating stuff. And also there's an OS 9, huge OS 9 support community because a lot of the programs like Pro Tools, uh, especially audio editing programs that came out in the final years of OS 9, uh, they are easily obtainable and vastly cheaper than their modern equivalents and just as capable. So it's very similar. Yeah, and, and it's it's neat when people take and, and update this old software. Um, and that's why I said the Amiga is still relevant. This is the main reason. You know, when people are still using it, I mean, a lot of people still use the Amiga every day, mm-hmm. uh, even after all these years. And with these... Uh, with these modern upgrades to your classic system, you can actually, this thing can compete in the real world to a certain degree. You know, with the, I can see a, an avenue where uh, internet browsers that were custom built for this faster Amiga could go to work. They could do the stuff that you're, I mean, if you could live in that in your Amiga environment, mm-hmm. uh, some people are comfortable there. You know, I say go for it. Yeah. I mean, you talk about 128 megs of RAM. I mean, I still remember, you know, it wasn't that long ago when my my main PC, you know, it had 128 megabytes of RAM. I mean, I, and I, I was browsing the web. Sure, sure. And it, I mean, when I first got into the PC world, 640 was the standard uh, for the longest time. And I remember when I was getting four four megs was a big deal on the PC. And if you consider how old the Amiga is, you know, uh, one, it was always ahead of everyone else. So it's nice to hey, this is sort of the boost that it never got from Commodore. That's for sure. And uh, this, I think this could be the the gateway into something that is an Amiga that comes into the future. You know, these, I mean, I can I can foresee a time where you where you can use an Amiga with this sort of power hook to it, with a modernized new version of the OS. And if you can keep that, you know, you've got to keep that compatibility in there. That's mm-hmm. the key. That's the key. You know, but uh, it's very exciting, and and I'm real excited for the 1200 version. And, uh, 
the 500 version will be outstanding because the 1200 is pretty accommodating on its own. That's a stock. You've got your IDE. You've got your the PCC MCIA slot. You've got a video out that's proper. The 500 screams for attention. It could really use uh, an SD slot. It could really use an HDMI port. I mean, obviously we know that from our experiences. Mm-hmm. That would be a, a, would be great. And for the amount of money you're paying for the stuff now to get outputs. Man, I'd plop down 200 bucks in a heartbeat for the 500 board, just for, almost for the HDMI and the slot alone. Must, right. You know, so right. it's very exciting. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because the, the next little bit of news I have is something that you sent to me. Uh, it's the uh, the A520 HD. Remember that? Yes. I'll, uh, it's something I found on eBay just told around. I would not seen one. Yeah, this is uh, after you uh, sent that to me. I, I poked around online, and actually the producer of these boards sells them direct from their shop, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is a uh, it's an RGB to HDTV uh, component adapter, so it gives you your green and your blue and your red, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's it's seventy one bucks, which sounds like a lot, except for the fact that H, you know uh, regular A five twenties are still selling for fifty bucks all day long, untested. They sure are, and 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 the, uh, now again, we haven't seen this quality, we haven't seen this in in uh, being used, but if it's a brand new uh, video output. With those, with what you know, and you're going to a higher definition than what you obviously than what you would be getting with the 520. 30 extra bucks or 20 extra bucks to have something that you know works is brand new and is doing it better. Yeah. It's not that expensive when you look at it that way. Yeah, definitely. And also, you don't have to worry about the thing killing your Amiga as you push back against the machine in a fit of rage. <laughs> yes, yes, and that that's always a problem. <laughs> Um, so that's, uh, I guess that's all the, the news that I have. you have any other news? No, I think that sums it up. It was a very exciting week uh, yeah. to uh, to be an Amiga owner. And uh, I, I think they're really the gates are opening. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more excitement brewing in the community now, and it's very exciting. Yeah. Um, for our hardware segment this week, uh, I was reading the um, the what I consider to be the best write-up of the history of the Amiga online. I'm sure the books have done it better. But uh, Ars Technica, back in 2007, in fact, it was just after I met Aaron, I think maybe one of the first things I sent him, and you probably don't remember this, I don't know why I remember, I posted it, maybe I posted it to the forums or something, but uh, this history of the Amiga, and uh, it is, uh, it's fantastic. Uh, it's it's eight parts, I think, eight or nine parts. It is very good, yeah. I read it, I read it, I re I reread some of it this year, and it's, it's an outstanding piece. Yeah, and uh, and I, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the old Amiga Joy Board. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which I've never seen one of these in the flesh. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, you know, the um, Amiga has its roots as a pseudo-peripheral company. You know, J Miner set up this, uh, you know, this hardware-based uh, thing kind of as a front so they could secretly develop the Amiga, but the Joy Board was a real thing. Um, it was a, a board that you stood on, uh, and you could control the movement of your character on screen by shifting to the left and shifting to the right. Um, and uh, one of the programmers working in Amiga at the time, R.J. Michael, uh, he developed uh, a game for the Joy Board uh, that was called Zen Meditation. And uh, the object of the game was to sit completely still. And uh, <laughs> How fun! <laughs> and so... Um, that the game kind of became an inside joke, you know, running joke in the Amiga offices. So much so that uh, whenever they ran across, you know, something that would cause the Amiga to crash, 
the system uh, the system error they decided to put up was called Guru Meditation Error. Which uh, that's uh, that's great. And that's that is stuff. that is the history of the the infamous Guru Meditation Error. And I didn't realize, but I guess on some of the later Amiga systems, uh, Commodore took that out and just called it software failure, which is a sad, really? sad thing. Yeah. Huh, huh, huh. yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'll link to uh, the the whole history uh, on Ars Technica. Wasn't wasn't Amiga originally called like El Toro or something like that? <laughs> I remember reading that somewhere. <laughs> Sounds before. like a lawnmower. That's what that's the that's what they said. That's the reason they changed the name. Oh really? That's why I remember reading it. <laughs> that's they were great. Like Toro, Toro peripherals or something like that. Maybe. Did you did you see the pictures of the Joy Board? Yeah, there's a picture of the box on, in that Ars in that Ars. It looks like a scale, like a was it, like it was a for the old twenty six hundred, right? Now what that? Uh, I think that was what they were. You know, it was a well anything with that DB or not DB? Is it DB nine? Uh-huh. Yeah, anything with that. That I would love to know if anybody out there has ever owned one of these or maybe has one now. Drop us a line and let us know how much, if they were any good or not, if they were fun. Because I've seen these things, I'm always like, I don't know. I mean, until the Wii or, and the Kinect stuff came around, I mean, all these wacky peripherals yeah, that they came out. Yeah, motion control was definitely, um, you know, everything. Do you remember for the NES, oh, what was it called? It was called the U-Force. Do you remember this? I don't think so. And it was like, it, think, if you think about like a clamshell design, like a laptop. Yeah. And you put your hands into kind of the space. Oh, I think I do. And you can move your hands yeah, around, you yeah, know, and yeah. cause things to happen on screen. None of the, the actions that happened on screen were what you wanted to happen. Did the inside of the box have sort of like a grid pattern? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen that. Yeah. You know, we had this thing for the NES. My brother had it was like a... Uh, I don't know what it was called, but you it came with this track and field game, and you'd try to run on it. Oh, the power pad. Oh, my God. That, yeah. That's the most – that was like, you know how tired you get playing decathlon with a joystick? That was the decathlon of your whole body. Right. I've never been in such pain. So, eventually, we would just lay on the ground and just beat the little spots of our hands. That's what the real pros It was do. like super track and field. You had buttons the size of your hands. You could just go to work. Yeah. Those wacky old peripherals, though, for the most part – they did not live up to their expectations and it's been years and years and years and we could go into the power glove and Mm -hmm. all the crazy stuff but I mean very few I'd say the light guns the exceptions the wacky peripherals I I think there was a thing for the Atari you could use your mind to control oh yeah yeah. remember that (laughs) you know (laughs) so I'll give the I'll give Nintendo credit for the Wii and and to a certain degree the Kinect and the the Move Mm -hmm. you know they've pulled that stuff to where it's even it's not that popular, but it's feasible, right? You know, at least you're you're having a something that approximates the amount of fun that the people on the box are having. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. All right, <clears throat> well, uh, let's go on to our game of the week, uh, Lionheart. Uh, Lionheart came out in 1993. Was designed for the Amiga by Thalion Software. And I wondered when I saw that, you know, Lion is part of Thalion. Ooh, and I, I didn't even know that. Part of that, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't see that anywhere, but I didn't. That's a good catch. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> um, and uh, so, uh, just a little bit about you. Got anything about Thalion? Um, they were founded by uh, former members of an Atari ST demo scene in '88. Mm-hmm. Remember, the demo scene was a big deal back oh, yeah. in those days. A lot of game guys came out of the demo scene, and these guys came out. Um, it was in Germany. I'm not going to try to... It says here, Gutterschloh. You ever heard of Gutterschloh, Germany? I know, I'm sorry, Germans. I, I swear to you. It's, no, it's I, I think that that's pretty good for your um, pronunciation, though. The, uh, they, I didn't realize how many games they'd released. A ton. Did you? <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, let me let me read down. Let me get on the list of some of these games. I mean, I, the funny thing about it is... Uh, I remembered one game from them, and it's this one, <laughs> right? But they released 
they released, uh, okay, I take that back. I had also heard of A30 320 Airbus, but they released that. Amber Moon, Amber Star, which I think those are role-playing games. I think they're in the same series. Atomic, some of these we got to try, by the way. Chambers of the Shaolin, and they had a CD32 version of that, which that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dragon Flight, that might be cool. Yeah. Enchanted Land, which apparently is somewhat similar to this in terms of like it's kind of platformer. Um, this is one that I read about a lot when I was researching this, Ghost Battle. Apparently this is the game that came out directly before Lionheart. Uh, Leaving Terminus, <laughs> I like that one. Uh, Magic Lines, Neuronics, that's a cool name. These are all cool names. Now, we need I, to check out some more of I these. I forgot. I had also heard of this one, No Second Prize. It was a motorcycle game. Now that one I'd oh, heard okay. of. Uh, Prehistoric Tale, Tangram, Tower Fra. I don't know what that means. Maybe it's French. Maybe, you know, probably a lot of these games might have been European exclusives. Uh, I like this one. Trex Warrior, 22nd Century Gladiator. And lastly, Wings of Death. (laughs) Now, some of these these sound pretty awesome Mm -hmm. uh, uh, to me. But uh, I know um, if you you look into uh, into the menus in Lionheart, uh, in the, there's an info menu, and it basically says, in no uncertain terms, like the Amiga is pirate-ridden, and if and this game we're testing the waters, and if it's heavily pirated, then there won't be any more games on the Amiga from us. That's effectively what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, this game was actually very successful, uh, but they shut down in '94. So right. They, well, they were kind of coming in at the end of. Well, this was definitely, I mean, they shut down in 94. <coughs> Maybe, you know, they, because, I mean, I'm sure, when do you think the ST ended production? I have not a clue. I, I had very little exposure to the ST. Because if these guys were, you know, Amiga, ST kind of guys, I'm sure that by 94, the ST was on its last legs, too. And maybe they just kind of ran out. They couldn't make the jump for whatever reason to publish them for more console things. Who knows? You could be you could be right. Uh, you could be right on there. But, uh, yeah, that. so they had, a, uh, from what I read, uh, they had a few hits out of that batch. Uh, I think their biggest hits were the, the Airbus game, uh, Lionheart, and No Second no second place or mm-hmm. that's that's it that were the big hits now i mean other people like other stuff they may have been more successful in other areas but from what i was able to to, to find out most of their games didn't sell that well and again since i've never heard of most of them that doesn't mean they're not good i just i've never heard of them so right. i was surprised they had that big of a back catalog um so uh the the actual game itself uh it came on four discs, which I was surprised to read because it just didn't seem like it was a four-disc game. It's huge. And it's probably because I saw maybe one one-hundredth of yeah, the content it's a, because it's, it's also a, very difficult. I know the walkthroughs on it were clocking in around two hours, and, wow. and that was someone that knew what they were doing. Wow. I played it last... I've played it quite a bit. Of course, I've played it in the past, but I played it for... I turned on the invulnerability last night and just, just to experience all the levels and played it for hours and didn't get to the end. Mm. And it, it was just a good... <laughs> There's a, they give you a lot. And a lot of varied gameplay, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, I guess the game takes place in the land of the cat people. Um, <laughs> called, and, called David Bowie. Yeah. And uh, they're, uh, they're threatened by uh, this, uh, this dude named Norka. Uh, Norka may also be a lady. Um, <laughs> the player character is uh, the guy, your, your, your guy, 
who I, I thought was a girl, to be honest with you, when I first played this game. Really? Yeah, I thought... What gave you that? Was it the hair? Yeah, the hair. The long, flowing locks. The, the, the fact that you read a bit where it said he was, his girlfriend was all jacked up, didn't, that didn't deter you from... No, I just... I just I passed by it. Uh-huh. Um, so What's it with you in intro? Yeah. You skip right past it. <laughs> I just want to get into the action. Um, and uh, so, anyway, he... Uh, I guess you... You're in the intro sequence. Um, you, you're on a flying dragon. Yeah. Tell me about that because I never saw it. I put, it just, I it stills. Button. Okay, so it stills. You're not. It's not a cinematic. It's not like Super Frog. No. Okay. No. 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 Okay. Um, and basically, the first scene that I saw was him standing in front, and there's some text on the bottom, and it says, "I guess I've got to go through the swamp." Or yeah, something because like his that. his dragon basically got taken out of play by a flying boat. Mm. Um, fact, no pun intended. Boat. <laughs> <clears throat> um. So the the gameplay is your uh kind of standard platforming um you know swing your sword kill the monster uh kind of game but the control mechanic itself i think is kind of unique because in most games pushing the button activates your weapon Mm -hmm. but in lionheart you have to push the button in conjunction with pressing a specific direction on the joystick yes and that's what makes it unique and what makes, I think, what separates skilled players from non-skilled players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would agree Because with that. I can see, you know, sometimes I'd luck into a maneuver where I'd jump up and I'd come down on somebody's head and then I'd swing to the left and eliminate another monster and I'd be like, wow, that's cool. But, you know, I just don't have the skill necessary to do that on a, on a, on a consistent basis. Well, the, you know, the key, really, that's the key to this game, isn't it? It's the, they're... This game has two major uh, ta- You need to have two major talents to be successful at this. One, uh, the ability to jump with pinpoint accuracy, mm-hmm. and secondly, the ability to understand and use uh, the attacks. <clears throat> As I recall, if you hold the button and hit up, your guy does this kind of swinging attack, and then if you if you hold down, he does a foot sweep sort of a mm-hmm. thing, and if you kind of push forward, he just does a foot. Uh, a forward swing, and the uh, his sword length, you know, not to disparage the guy, <laughs> but uh, it's he doesn't his attack length isn't very long, so it's tough. And, you got to get in close to yeah. get to some of these guys. And some of the enemies are, uh, I mean, they're they're very cunningly designed. I mean, these guys, these I mean, you know, on the first level, you've got guys just jumping from come out of the air mm-hmm. and 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 combinations of guys are coming down stairs and stuff and and you have to be very uh, meticulous about where you stand when you see this stuff coming and you've got to make quick reactions because like boat said you can't just hit the button and you're just whack the guy you've got to hit the button and maybe hit the joystick in the certain in the proper direction to get the sword swing you need to kill him an overhand swing or a side swing or or a, a sweep uh it's it's it can be tough to understand and the uh, the way the game is set up i mean i will say we always harp on level design a lot of these Amiga games have uh, are pretty or uh, or have neat concepts, but they just don't. They kind of fail in the in the level design. The guys that put the level designs together on this are very very clever. I mean, this is some Nintendo level Konami level design of the highest quality, in my opinion. But it's almost too clever. I mean, it's really. <laughs> I think it's slanted toward the bad guys mm-hmm. substantially. And you can even get replacement sword stuff, but I never saw anything that would give you that. Uh, you know what you need is a whip or a, right. you know <laughs> something to give you a little more length. Whip, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I felt the same way 
the the levels they are they're they're designed well um you rarely have situations like you have in some of the other platformers where you have just well first of all spikes don't kill you in one hit which is always yeah, you do worst. have you start the game with a, a health bar with four hits yeah it. and uh it does show you that you're able to increase that you know it gives you some parts that aren't filled in yet um which you have to collect their their uh, symbols was it uh, that are like based a, on their logo mm-hmm. and, it, and you if you get a hundred you will get another life point right I did not do this often, and only when I cheated could I get a hundred of these things. It's not, and the thing is, once you use a continue, you lose them all. Right. This game suffers from the same thing that so many of these Amiga platformers suffer from: is that they don't ramp up the difficulty in a way that is pleasing to an audience that is me. Uh, they made it way to the first level. You should be able to complete the first level of any game. That's the way I see it. The first level should be. Here's the controls. Here's you know how you move through the levels. Here's what the power ups are. Have some fun, and we'll see you in level two. This level, I every time that I played this game, the way the reason why I died was because I couldn't figure out how to make a jump, or whether I was in the right place to make a jump, and I'd just fall in the water and I. What's it? That, let me guess. One of the places you died was on the first level where there's two platforms above you and there's a little pool of water right between where you need to go and you would hit your head and fall in, right? Did you see that? You I saw that? that one. I died there. And you have to be very pinpoint on that jump. That's there's also one. another one where there was a spinning, you know, this little spinning platforms yeah. and you have to jump on that to make, but the thing never stops spinning. You have, to, you have to hit it with your sword. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, you have to hit it with those. This game has some of the most clever, the clever puzzles in it I've ever seen. Now, I, I played through uh, the majority of the game Again, I cheated. And nothing weird about this game is it has no score. Odd. Then you think that was a strange I didn't think omission? That was weird because you know, with with the platformer, you know, you'd think that you'd want to get, you'd want to rack up that high score. Yeah, I, I thought that was odd. That was an odd omission. But and maybe there was some graphical reason that I don't know. I don't know why they do it. But um, uh, the uh, this game has some awesome pu- puzzle elements. For example, of course, like Boat said, you've got ledges that spin. And they'll occasionally stop, and you jump on them. You have to get off them before they spin. Then you've got uh, little platforms that spin all the time until you hit them with your sword. You've got X amount of time to get off of it to hit the next one. It means you've got to jump on it, hit the next one with your sword, and get up to that one. Then you've got levels where these lizards jump up out of the ground, and they stick their tongue out at you, and you have to jump up on their tongue. Their tongue is part of it. The most diabolical one I saw were these blocks that went around on a rope. Intend, you've, you've played plenty of Mario. Blocks on a rope. You just hop on it and you ride. Not mm-hmm. these blocks, brother. <laughs> Every time they hit a corner, they do a complete revolution. And you oh. fall off. So you've got to jump straight up while moving sideways and land back on it. Mm-hmm. And when you've got rows of three or four of these things, holy smokes. I can tell you right now, folks, in, this is one of those games, much like uh, Shadow of the Beast, where just because you've got the invulnerability turned on, don't think for a minute you're just going to walk through this sucker. These jumps are hard. And then you've got uh, uh, some of the other aspects later on. There are, there are little bullets that come out of these plants. There are giant rolling balls that will come down and try to run you over. There are uh, There's a, a fire level with lava. And when you jump on the uh, these certain platforms, they just turn to ash under you. And so you have to be very quick to get through them. Um, there are levels where the water will rise. And you have to get through... A, a place that will be submerged in a minute and get out before the water rises up over your head. You know, I mean, these guys went to work on the levels. I mean, I give them all the credit in the world. 
the uh, they are very clever and they're difficult. I'd like to meet the guy. I read that if you get through the entire game without losing, without using a continue, you get the special ending. All right, the good ending. If you use continues to get through the entire game, you get kind of the bummer ending. Mm. All right. If anyone out there has gotten the good ending without cheating, please, I would like to see. Send me a picture <laughs> of you just with your hand raised in triumph. Because, holy mackerel, man, I'm like Boat. And I've played this game for years. I can get I can get to the first cave. I can kill the insect, right, the bug that shoots the other little bugs. I can get past them. That little part where I was telling you about where it's hard to jump across, I can get past that. But, I mean, once you get to that second insect cave... Which I've gotten there without without to cheat, and uh, that's a tough that's tough to get out of that second insect cage. It is tough, and I've never gotten out of there intact without cheating. Uh, and uh, like and when you don't get that far, you miss so much more of the game. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. so much more. Now, pundits, argument types would say, hey, Pete, they made games harder back in the '80s, and uh, that's just the way it was. And they're right, I think, to a certain degree. But man, I mean, this—I guess if you're like, it's the same sort of like a contra thing. I mean, you've played a lot of the NES stuff. This is a lot like a console game to me. How did this stack up in terms of difficulty with some of the games you put on the NES? Well, the you know all the best games, the 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 best in quotes games that the people talk about on the NES, platforming, side-scrolling platformers—they're all difficult. But I think that it's all about the length of the levels. You know, like, take, for example, Castlevania or Contra. It's both Konami games. Um, they are fiendishly difficult. You know, one-hit kills in Contra. Uh, Castlevania, just just maniacal jumping sections, jumping platforming sections. But you never feel like you don't know where you are in a level, and you never feel like you've taken a wrong turn and you have to backtrack. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, in a lot of these Amiga platformers, they came out around the same time that games like Sonic and Mario did. And, and, and you know, especially like Sonic, you could go. There were branching pathways and levels, but the levels, you know, were short. So even if you did, you know, get to a spot where you had to backtrack a little bit, you didn't feel like it was a chore getting back to where you were before. Versus this, they kind of tried to make the best of both worlds. They're like, let's make a really difficult game and make the levels really huge to encourage exploration. And it's it just turns into kind of, it turns into a frustrating exercise to me. Um, for gamers back then, if the Amiga was all you had, maybe you just got used to this and maybe you expected it. Maybe you just, you wanted a game of a certain caliber of difficulty that was different than what console gamers of that time were. Yeah, I, I, I think there, I think that's part of it. I really do. I think that you, and also you got to think, kids weren't by. I mean, here we are, we, we, it's an embarrassment of riches, mm-hmm. right? We've got all these games. Mm-hmm. We've got all these, games have been being made for decades now. So we've got tons of them. We can both play anything we wanted all night long. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, you'd buy this, you'd plunk down your, your, uh, 50 bucks US or whatever it costs and you'd get this home and you might play it for a month this mm-hmm. is your game for the month and so you would have a lot more uh, motivation to stick with it yeah so I think that's probably part of it uh, but maybe they were uh, maybe I'm old that I just I'm no good at it <laughs> platforming is not my bag I know it's more your bag than it is mine uh, but uh, uh, I think that I'm sure that's at least some of it yeah I will say that this game features what I consider to be Especially growing up and reading like Electronic Game Monthly and you know the other 
game magazines that were out at the time. This kind of exemplifies what I consider to be the Amiga graphics, where you have the parallel scrolling, you have very brightly colored uh, backgrounds, lots of pinks and blues. Yeah. Uh, but then your your foreground is very kind of uh, vegetative, you know, um, just kind of like organic. Vine, organic. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. You know, it's funny you should mention it because I was I was I found a lot of backstory on this game uh, when I was doing some research, and uh, in an interview I found. Uh, they they uh, asked Eric Simon, who was the uh, who was the you know one of the head guys there, you know, uh, he said we want to finally develop a truly perfect action game for the Amiga, with both ni- both with nice graphics and a rousing sound and a playability that is not in front of the Japanese competition. So basically, they wanted something, they wanted a, you know effectively like a Mario type game or something that that could show off the system. If you read it, I found a really interesting interview with the guys that made the game. And they basically, uh, a lot of the guys that programmed it wanted to work on consoles. And the main reason is uh, the, uh, the Amiga had memory, which most consoles didn't have, mm-hmm. no consoles at the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you could load more background images and animation, but in every other area, consoles were ahead. Uh, like in sprites, color, scrolling, uh, levels, and sound channels. This is from the horse's mouth. Uh, the uh, uh, and these guys, I think a lot of this team went on to work on like uh, some console stuff. Uh, I know one guy, one or two of the guys in particular, went to work on some DS stuff. So I guess they got what they wanted, uh, you know. And but if you consider the uh, what they laid down in front of you here, you know, I always thought this was an AGA game. For years and years, and then I was like, you know, wow, this is an OC. You know, if you've got a Mega Chip RAM, you're good to go on this. Uh, and to imagine that they squeezed this out of the Amiga, it's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, now, what did you think of the main character himself? A lot of people, there's a lot of talk uh, on, on various forums and stuff that the lead character runs like a doofus <laughs> and looks like a goof. Your response? Agreed on both fronts. Uh, <laughs> you know, he... It's it's really you know the the um, the creators of this game had obviously seen Masters of the Universe before. Um, at some point in a, a cutscene or something, he raises his sword in a matter not unlike the Prince of Eternia. Yeah, he does. Um, when he's happy, he'll yeah. fire that thing up. Yeah. <laughs> um, it makes a weird noise. Yeah. And so um, I think that he was the, the 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 issue is that the sprite is a little bit too big. To um, I guess it's it's it has a little bit too much detail for its size. If they would have made it a little bit bigger, not quite sort of Sudan big, but they could have made him a little bit more well defined and maybe animated him a little bit more gallantly, or they could have made it a little bit smaller and made his design a little bit more abstract, kind of like if you think about the Castlevania games. Mm-hmm. I uh, I you know it's funny. I never thought he looked that bad. He always ran kind of goofy, but I thought he looked. But it's funny the amount of care they put in everything else, and the the, the one thing that kind of in graphics and in animation that kind of lacks is is that goofy lead character. Well, it's around. funny. I take example A, Mr. Beanbag. Okay. You know, yeah. Mr. Beanbag. The the game around him is full of life, you know. But Mr. Beanbag is not even animated. He just kind of slides around. Well, it, it, um, you know, it could be what they were just saying here about the console. Maybe that's just a place that the uh, Amiga. Maybe uh, it was know. a sprite limitation. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I read that this game was full of programming tricks just to squeak out the little extra bit of of Jack that they that they did. I mean, really, they, and they 
it runs smoothly on a 1200. I've heard it's jumpy on a five uh, or anything that doesn't have enough, uh, you know, processing power to make it. I mean, I've played on my 1000 back. See, did I play on the 1000? I played on my 500 back in the day. And it, I don't remember it being that jumpy, but it's been a long time. But I know on the 12, it played smooth. But I've read reports that, like, yeah, on, on some of these, it ran a little choppy here and there, depending on where you were at. Um, let's talk about some of the goofier levels. Did you have? Did you watch a? Did you see some of the wackier levels involved in this thing? I figured you were going to talk about it, so I just wanted to make it a surprise. Tell me about them. Well, Avail me of them. Uh, one of the levels you are on. Um, what can I describe this thing as? Let's call it a, a dinosaur, or it looks almost like those things they wrote in, in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, that Tauntaun. They, Tauntaun. That's right. And you're and you're running through the woods, and you're in pursuit of the of a, of the flying boat. That's that's in that that's in that area. That was pretty wacky, but it was way different. Uh, you could basically do your jump and swing, and the, the little thing would follow you wherever you went. So you always landed on. You couldn't fall off, mm-hmm. which I thought was I thought that was neat. I thought that was a cool level. And then eventually you have to jump up, climb up on the boat, and the boat is a level, mm-hmm. and you go to work up there. Another level I saw uh, was a and played was the a level where you ride the dragon around and you. Yeah, you ride the dragon, man. That sounds yeah, sounds like a drug reference. Yeah. Right? But uh, it's a, uh, it you know the dragon shoots fire all the time, and it's sort of kind of a rail sh- mm-hmm. shooter kind of mm-hmm. thing. I guess the only way to describe it. Forced scrolling. You know. Yeah. Did you see any of the bosses in this? The uh, only boss that I saw was that caterpillar thing in the or not caterpillar. It looked kind of like a graph. No, it's caterpillar. Caterpillar in the first it's level. It's kind of a caterpillar spider combo. Yeah. Had to yeah. Be the legs. Yeah. That's not really it. There's, I think there were four big bosses, and I think the last guy has like sub bosses. I didn't get anywhere near him, even with the cheat on. The first, I saw a couple of the bosses though. One boss is this big kind of flying, uh, what can I describe? Like a roach or something, or a dragon cricket thing looking thing. <laughs> but it would fly, it would fly around, and it would drop, it would drop eggs, and the eggs would become these little like spiders. And you had to kill them, and, and you could only hit this thing when it came down and try to bite, get you with its tongue. It would also release these two birds that came out. And on the later levels, there are these birds that when you hit them, they freeze in place. And you, and you use them as platforms. Mm-hmm. It's another platform element. And you had to hit both the birds and then wait for the last second, right before the thing went, took off to the sky, and jump off the last bird and then whack this thing in the back of your sword, and it, and it would hurt him. I was on this level. I was on this guy for, I bet you, a half hour. Mm-hmm. It was so frustrating. I got the hang of it at the end, but it was really hard. Uh, the other guy I found was this big fire uh, beast that was uh, very interesting, very cool-looking uh, guy. He was a lot easier, though. I just went, I got under, under his crotch and just went, <laughs> went to work, fire crotch, you know. So, so I like this neat that they had the bosses. I heard one of the bosses has sort of a uh, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, as someone described it as, element where you have to jump up on him and find a weak point on oh, yeah. you know, somewhere. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. So I like the idea that this thing had boss battles in it. I'm surprised this never got poured into a console, to be, especially with all the work that was yeah, done on it. Yeah, you'd think that it would have made its way onto the Genesis. Yeah, and it, it was never ported to anything. Now, that said, and while I'm thinking about it, a fellow did work on a PC version, and it's still working on I checked his website today, and there's been work this year on the website, so apparently he's still fooling with it. But, I mean, this has been going on since 2007. So uh, I'll we'll link it up. This guy's webpage, if you're interested in playing the PC version. Now, the company has a version of this that you can play the straight-up Amiga version on your PC, uh, and it works. I, I played with it at work this week. Uh, no, no one at work hear that. <laughs> and uh, uh, it works fine. But uh, having a PC version, apparently there are some slight enhancements. You know, I don't know exactly the whole situation, but it's 
we'll link that up too. Um, I checked on eBay, as I want to do, to see what kind of action this was getting. And guess what? It's getting a lot of action. Oh. And not and not in a bad way if you own it. Um, there were no copies in the U.S. There had been one sold here in November for thirty dollars. I wish I had it. <clears throat> the uh, I only found two copies for sale, two or three, all of them in Europe, and, it, and ranging from sixty bucks to one hundred and fifty bucks. So it's going for uh, a, a kingly, high dollar, yeah, a kingly sum. Uh, this game is uh, apparently the the art on the cover of the box is done by a, a pretty famous guy named Dieter Rottermund. You ever heard of this fella? No. And uh, he uh, apparently does some does some good work uh, on on other stuff. What did you think of the music in this one? Before I forget about it. Boy, I hated it. <laughs> did you really? I thought it was terrible. <laughs> it's quite popular. That's why I ask. Yeah, I just it's not my not my cup of tea. I thought I found it grating. Um, I guess it suits the atmosphere of the game a little bit foreboding. But uh, it's not something I throw on, you know, my iPod and rock out to. It's funny. I, I actually enjoyed the music. I thought it was pretty. I thought it was, um, it, you know, there's a lot of music as you go through the levels. I thought it changed, like when you go in the cave. That second that mm-hmm. piece is. I think it's very. I will fitting. give the game props for you know doing all that it's doing and including music and sound effects at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's it. I thought the music was pretty good. Uh, the uh, uh, the uh, the composer was a guy named. Matthias Steinwich, and he apparently has done a lot of stuff outside of uh, uh, outside of the Amiga. Uh, he did the only things I saw in here that we would have heard of was was all games from from uh, from the same company: Three Twenty, Amber Moon, Lionheart, you know, uh, Misadventures of Flink, which is a Sega CD game apparently, which apparently had got some renown somewhere. I've never have you ever heard of that one? Misadventures no. of Flink. Flink, what a name! Yeah, um, but uh, uh, apparently a lot of people have remixed this album. I found an excellent page uh, on the company, uh, which will also link. I found a lot of information on the company and the and this particular the company, game. like the company, not no. PM? I mean the oh, people, Thalian. the Italian. Okay. Uh, excuse me. The uh, there's a there's a guy. No, it's in German, I think, or Italian. But uh, thanks to the magic of Google Translate. It becomes mostly clear to you, and they've got lots of press stuff, pictures of a reunion these guys had, all sorts of stuff that is very interesting and very meaningful. If you're into this sort of thing or any of their other games, so we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, as well. I, I did find a Thalian web shrine, which is uh, it's That's, a, that might be it. Yeah, That's, it's if it looked exactly like a GeoCities page from 1996, well, uh, then that was the Thalian web shrine. The, it was part of a, a web ring. Remember when web yeah, rings were yeah. king? I was I had um, pages in a web ring back in the day. <laughs> So uh, yeah, it's information. That that site, though, as goofy as it looks, it's, it's very information right. heavy, and that's the important. thing. Yeah, they had all kinds of interviews. I got a lot of stuff that uh, I found a lot of stuff out about the uh, the game just from reading that. Um, a couple last things: the difficulty in this, unlike a lot of games, actually adds content to the game, makes levels longer and harder. Apparently, adds more stuff. I don't know how much harder you can make it. I never tried. <laughs> I never tried going up a level for the obvious reasons of my suckery, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it looked it looked tough. Um, the game reviewed pretty well. I was mm-hmm. surprised it got scores as low as it did. To be honest, with you. it didn't get anything under an eighty. But man, I would have been I would have been losing my mind if this had came out. It's often compared to Turk and Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what did you think? How did, did you like this better or worse than Turk and Two? I think I liked Turk and Two more because I was better at it. I felt that I 
every time I played this game, I felt like I was fighting the controls. And as uh, usual, yeah. And um, but with Turrican, when I remapped the controls the way that I, I I liked them, I felt like I could do pretty well. Even though I never beat the first boss, I still felt like I was I was doing pretty good. This game, I just never got the hang of holding down the button and then pushing forward or, you know, pushing a direction. Especially difficult, I found, was uh, activating the leg sweep when I wanted to uh, destroy the critters that you could, you know, you had to get down for. Because you had to kind of go in that diagonal downward. Yeah. 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 It, 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 it Part of that could have been the, G, the, the using the 360 pad, you know, maybe with a joystick it might have been easier. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I did prefer Turrican. I definitely preferred the soundtrack. Oh my god, you know well, Turrican too. Is... Yeah, that's that's unfair. <laughs> yeah, it's unfair to even compare. Them. I, I went through and listened to a lot of the tracks on this, and there are some good tracks. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was. I think it's worth investigating. Uh, the, the soundtrack is, uh, I, and I believe they re- even released a soundtrack for this. Uh, again, on that on that site you mentioned, there's so much. There's just so much stuff. It's all and there's remixes and all kinds of stuff. So if you're into this company or this game. That's an absolute must must view site. I've got I found so much stuff. I could sit here and talk for six hours all about the company and the game because there's just so much this oodles of information. Uh, but uh, overall, I enjoyed the game. I, I really enjoyed it. It's beautiful. I thought the sound was pretty good. The uh, uh, the difficulty again. This is just another of this is like a broken record with us. The graphics look great, but it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And, but it's it's really hard. Yeah. And uh, but it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, there was, uh, believe it or not, there was rumors of a, of a sequel that uh, uh, fizzled when the company went out. But it had apparently there was a still of it or a mock up or something. But I, there was nothing to it. I looked around to make sure that there was no, there was nothing. So this is it. You know, Lionheart. This is sort of an oddball game. You know, Amiga exclusive. You know, it's a top shelf game. Uh, but uh, if you've got the chops to play it, then you can pretty much play anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Just before we get out of here, uh, I want to thank our sponsors. We got a new sponsor this week. Oh, beautiful. Uh, Daniel Bingston. Welcome aboard, Daniel. Uh, and uh, Binks, Bingston. It's a GT, which is a uh, conglomerate of consonants we rarely see in you're English. Gonna, you're going to butcher the name of the <laughs> new guy? Nice work. Bro. Hey, at least I didn't misspell his name on Facebook. Oh, whoops. <laughs> um bad keyboard <laughs> anyway uh we thank you daniel and uh we also thank o'brien's retro and vintage brent dowdy and chad halstead uh if you'd like to sponsor us give us a give us a ring on patreon.com slash amigos podcast give us a ring that's i guess you don't really give people rings and especially not on the give web. us a nod give us give a us thumbs a, up yeah. give us a pat give on us the a back. click give us a click <laughs> um so uh next week have you thought about what you might want to play not a, not a bit. Well, I, I was have. up till one in the morning playing Lionheart, so I, <laughs> I'm thinking I need a nap. All right. Well, do you want a drink? Oh, do you want a party? Yeah. All my rowdy friends are getting together for some TV sports football. Oh, in okay. honor of the big game, the Super Bowl. Good idea, both. Uh, this this coming Sunday. Of course, we'll be the day after if we get around to yeah. it. <laughs> We're going to start recording podcasts on Mondays. So for those of you that are waiting with bated breath on Thursdays for us to release our show, uh, look forward a little earlier next week and going forward on Monday nights. Uh, we'll have a full recap of the game with all the box scores. I'm just kidding. We, no. uh, we won't uh, infuriate our overseas listeners. No, are we going to play the American talk? version of TV Sports 
uh, which was a, didn't they release that as Monday Night Football, or are we going to play the TV Sports version of TV Sports Football? Well, that is a great question, and let's answer it right now. Let's live look at on both the air. of them. Okay, we'll look at both of them because we'll they're both the same, on. except for some cr- extra crap. So what yeah, the heck? We'll stream them both, and uh, you can check out the differences. Uh, so anyway, we'll do that next week. Uh, until then, adios. adios.